0: This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Richard Murray, who's the Group CEO of JB Hi Fi, and he's also chairman of the Australian Charities Fund Employee Leadership Initiative which is a mouthful, but there it is. Well, it's, it's it's been a great journey for JB, workplace giving. So it was nice to try and encourage other businesses to do the same thing. So, so we're here largely to talk about that, but I also want to talk about JB in a minute. But um, uh, so you're engaged in the business of um, workplace giving. What does it mean? So
1: 10 or 11 years ago, JB sort of if, you know, somebody asked, came in and asked for a TV or something, we were, you know, that classic company that would just sort of was unstructured. And we really thought that we needed to get a bit more structured. And we discovered this thing called workplace giving. And we thought, why don't we just partner with our staff? So we matched- Were you CFO their... at the time? Yes. Yes. Um, so Richard Utrecht, who was the then CEO, he's he's got a big history in philanthropy. And he and I were trying to work out something to structure it up. And so we then- Got uh, got to know Workplace Giving Australia, as they're now called, and um, we said, "Well, let's partner with our staff. So let's not have CEOs handing out big checks. Let's just work with our staff. So we match their donations dollar for dollar. So in October, we celebrated twenty million dollars. Eighty percent of staff involved, um, so giving at least a dollar a week. All execs give one percent of their salary, and the board. So So it's been amazing. Is that mandatory? Some people call it a career development levy, but no, the programs uh, got enough strength that people want to participate.
0: Um, I guess as CFO, you know, the usual thing is you need a business case for something like this. What's the business case for workplace giving?
1: Well, it's, it's a great question because we got asked that and we didn't have a great answer. We just said, well, we know it's been good for us. So a couple of years ago, we did some research and what we looked at is th- the staff that are involved in our program, um, obviously are more engaged in the workplace. So it doesn't solve every problem in workplace giving, but if staff are engaged, the staff that participate in the workplace giving program have lower turnover. And when you look across the JB business, and if you estimate a staff turnover, you know, getting a new employee might cost you about $5,000. And I think that's on the low side. For JB each year, it's sort of in, in a soft way could save us $8 million in employee turnover costs. So it's a pretty powerful business case.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, they have awards the which have just recently occurred uh, and you came third yeah, so we were beaten
1: by two law firms, which uh, as a retailer that was uh, that was interesting. Almost stackable offence, exactly. So we've we've been very lucky over the years. We've won gold a couple of times, but we we the thing we're most proud of is how the programs now evolve. So we won an award for innovation, and what our programs now been able to do is we're now sponsoring a couple or a couple, partnering with a couple of charities and actually investing in their longer term projects because the partnerships with our charities now are we're looking at a ten year partnership. So they'll get into workplace giving and stay for ten years. So we can. say, hey, let's work on something innovative, we'll do the hard work in the first few years and then you launch it and we support you through that launch phase rather than just maybe a more transactional relationship. So I think that's a really exciting innovation for the program.
0: And how, how widespread is it becoming now? Workplace
1: giving just seems to be flying along because what you know millennial employees want purpose with their with their companies they want to understand what the business is about but at the same time sometimes these programs can get a bit more marketing than giving and so jb's really pure we just say let our staff select so we, we've selected ten charities that really make a difference and then you know the staff just get behind it and to be honest it's been one of the most exciting things we've done over the ten years because it's something real and tangible and when you look back and think twenty million dollars it's made an amazing
0: difference. So you're still matching dollar for dollar, is that what you're doing? Yeah. And is that uncapped. what everyone
1: is that kind of what everyone does? Uh, a majority do not everybody some some match and maybe have a cap on it some don't match um you know the there are government agencies that do it and obviously it's hard for them to match and which I think is even amazing when some government agencies have 30 or 40% participation with no matching so obviously the matching doubles the impact
0: and is it done as a salary
1: sacrifice yeah so the great thing about it is it's, it comes out of your pre tax salary so you get get your tax deduction up front right so that's pretty powerful for staff
0: well it's just much more convenient i guess isn't it um so, yeah, but 80% of staff means that uh, it's not mandatory. Obviously, it couldn't be mandatory, but um, that's, uh, there's 20% who don't want to do it.
1: I think the, the reality is there's always people... Well, actually, the research suggests, in fact, people who give at work are more likely to give outside work. So they've got the giving um, the giving gene, so to speak. So you're not going to get everybody, um, though there, there are some smaller organisations that have 100% participation, which is amazing. But I think the thing that um, from from... When we started, we had thirty percent as an objective, and to be honest, between zero and thirty percent, it was probably management pushing a bit. You know, let's get excited, let's get on with it. About thirty percent, the organisation took over. So, you know, when we talk about culture and DNA and purpose, um, JB hasn't been big on writing that down. But it's things like this that I think show a lot about the culture of the organisation. Where, where my area managers just took it and run with it. Uh, you know, and that thirty percent to eighty percent was more about the people in the business rather than, you know, me saying, hey, let's everyone, let's get on board. I'm excited. Everyone knows I'm excited about it, but that got us to 30%. 30 to 80 is people saying this is something I want to be part of.
0: It's interesting you talk about culture because JB Hi-Fi has a very strong culture. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of it as a journalist and as a customer in the store. You're very aware of the way that the um, people in the, in the shops deal with you. Um, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's, it's kind of clear, whatever store you go into, it's the same, so I'm, I'm interested as to where that comes from, because I mean the the, the JB stands for John Barbuda, who started the business in Kila with one store in 1974. Um, did he did he create that culture? Because um, he wasn't around that long. He died fairly quickly, I think. Oh. Um, but was it was it you and Richard Uttridge? I, back no, then, I think
1: everyone's been so. There's been there's certainly been, and it's probably easier for internal people to see this. There's, there's definitely been iterations of the culture over the time. But you know, when it was just individual stores, there were individual shareholders within the stores, and I would have said the culture was a bit more store specific. Certainly, Richard Utrish and Terry Smart, who had the business in that that sort of early two thousands, I think took. Um, a culture but scaled. I think that's the the hard part. It's when you have a 10-store chain, you can probably, and you're in Victoria, you can probably keep it pretty real, suddenly go interstate. And I think every large business would say, every expansion, you just lose a bit of culture. I often describe, I find this the hardest question in some ways, so I, I keep it simple, which is, I feel as CEO down, the culture actually keeps me as accountable as someone at a store level. So all those things that sometimes other organisations get out of whack, we just sit there going, that's not JB. We don't do that. So then that guiding principle seems to hold people accountable across the business. And I think it's very rare. And we talk a lot internally about losing it because I think maintaining it's actually not so hard because it's, it's, you know, if you could consider culture like water, it feels like there's a self-leveling nature that holds everyone accountable. Though if we ever lose that, I fear how you would get it back. So but it seems that, to me
0: that the, the possibly unique but certainly uh, interesting and unusual thing about JB is the way that it combines a good governance culture with being an incredibly sharp retailer. I well, mean you're ever since the company listed in 2003 I looked this up the the total return on the stock since 2003 has been 22% per annum compound. I mean that is unbelievable. So
1: I think the thing that's really powerful about the business is at an employee level we're incredibly empowering. So we just want to get out of people's way. We have the the, the the boundaries are really clear, but within the boundary, there's a lot of empowerment. And staff constantly say to me, i just like to be able to get on with my job. And what we've noticed, you know, when we've bought some other retailers over the time is the bureaucracy gets in the way of staff. So try and set some li- really clear expectations and, and reward for it. I think we've, we're we, are, we try to be as generous as we can across the business in how we remunerate and reward people and recognize people, but also we keep it pretty real. So keep it really simple, guys, rather than micromanaging everything, get, set the boundaries. We, you know, we often, when we think about who we're hiring, I know people get into store and think, God, these guys know so much about technology. But actually, I think what we really do is just hire passionate people and real people having a conversation with real people, i.e. store staff, having a conversation with a customer and keeping it real is a more authentic part, You know, is, is such an authentic part of our culture. But then So we don't. We have a human resources division. And we don't have a people and culture division because we don't think culture is the HR team's responsibility. We think culture is everybody's responsibility. And, you know, Terry, who runs the Good Guys, who's been a big part of the JB journey, remember him saying to me, culture is just how we do stuff. And I think that's such a powerful comment because you can come up with this really... Complex definition, but just how we do stuff every day in store and in a support office, how we deal with our customers every day, is the best judge of our culture.
0: Um, you mentioned Good Guys. You bought them in two thousand and fourteen, the same year as you took over as CEO. Uh, sixteen. So a couple of years afterwards. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. So anyway, so it's your fault. Yeah. No, it's all on me. It's a... No, but it hasn't been a great experience. It seems to be. Good Guys hasn't. I mean, has performed nowhere near as well as JB itself. So. It is, JB has world-class metrics. The good guys
1: team, the good guys business, I should say, has actually very good metrics when you compare it to Fanac and Date in France or Media Mart in Europe or Best Buys in the US. So the home appliance space, it's you know it's hard moving bulky goods around and your replacement cycles, they're not as tech driven. So we've pushed the business back into tech because they were trying to get out of tech because we want customers come in and get a complete solution. I actually think you know we're back to about the pro- earnings are about um, $74 million, which is about what we pay Last year, sorry, when we bought it, we had a price war with Harvey's, which certainly hurt for the period, but we're you know, if you look at many bulky goods retailers at the moment, I mean Nick Scali's are a great retailer and you know, they've had a pretty tough period recently. So there's no doubt um, businesses exposed to the housing cycle at present, you know, post the election, it still seems like the economy is working very hard. JB's lucky because we've got a new iPhone and we're very exposed to tech and we sort of tend to be able to outperform the cycle a little bit. So we're more product driven sometimes than the cycle. Um, if the cycle's good and the products are good, that's great. Um, but at the moment You know, JB's outperforming, but that I think is a bit more product focused, where I think underlying the consumer's working pretty hard at the moment.
0: Just back to where we started then um, with this discussion, uh, is the the workplace giving uh, uh, experience in good guys the same as in JB Hi-Fi? Is the same proportion of employees doing it?
1: So we haven't run research, but we hit um, within about six months of launching the program, we hit 50%. So we took all the learnings from JB and applied it to the good guys team in the sense of just launching a program and doing it smart, and they immediately half the team got on board. So I think that says a lot about their culture, that for 50% of them, they had a great culture in the business of giving, so they had a... um, They they had a long history with the Muir family of giving back. So there was good DNA of giving in the business already. Um, And so they had a program called Doing Good. And so we just added to the Doing Good program workplace giving. So the team got on board. So I think, you know, about 80% of JB, 50% of the good guys, industry stats are down at single digits. So whether it's 50 or 80, there are remarkable programs. And, um, and for us, you know, we just want to share the experience we've had and get other businesses when they're trying to look for opportunities to partner with staff and give back. Workplace giving is the most efficient way. And it's, it's often not well-recognized. And so part of the role I do is just trying to share with other businesses the success we've had and how they might like to get on board. Great to talk to you, Richard. Thanks, Alan. Always a pleasure.
0: I've been talking to Richard Murray, who's the group CEO of JB Hi-Fi.